Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gracie. Happy birthday to you. Poppers, champagne, yay, party hats. It's Gracie's. Gracie, Gracie. 13th birthday. Where have all those years gone? I can tell you where they've gone. Sofas. Seatbelts. Seatbelts, interior of a car, walls. Dog yeah. beds. Inter- I think interior of a car twice, wasn't it? Dog beds. Yeah. 13 sofas, was it? No, 13 seat belts. How many about sofas? About four sofas. About four sofas. Yeah. I, w- I remember when I first got Gracie and I was in Somerset and I brought this sofa with me from London, which I'd queued up at the SCP sale to buy. It's, it was by Terence Woodgate. It was lovely. It was. And I, I was ill because I think I'd overdone it driving to London about 500 miles. And I came down and Gracie had made a nest in my Terence Woodgate sofa. It was literally, she'd taken the foam out and there was just this hole like, like um, a commode. It was like a commode. And she was in, in the hole, quite happy. But she's doing she's doing really well because Nick's been off with COVID, so I've been having to do her horses as well as my horses. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And it was just too much for Gracie being on the yard for six hours. Fine with the others. Missy's got her coat on. So now I put her in the car and she just sleeps on the back seat of the car and she's perfectly happy. And she's just so happy to go in the car and sleep. We do like a relay. I do the same with Charlie, done my old boy. We do like a relay. So they come out, they have a little potter about and do what they want to do. And then they go into a nice warm car. But I say to Gracie, do you want to go in the car? And she just looks thrilled. <laughs> she looks thrilled. And off she goes and she's as quiet as a mouse. Like, oh, I've got another bed to chew. I, might be a tasty seatbelt. But we've had a bit of a Twitter storm this week haven't we Nick? another one another one and actually it was quite sad this week because i put a post up saying happy mother's day to, to liz and and thank you for looking after my horses while i've got covid because liz has done a fabulous job looking after my horses and i'm really grateful so i did a nice thing and it all backfired and bit me on the ass well it bit me on the ass well, it bit me because i was trying to do a nice thing no but no one tweeted nick to say oh nick it's a shame you're off covid for two weeks and you've got all your horses you can't get to and you've got someone doing them for nothing all they did was attack me Uh, yeah i'll be honest with you i was shocked i didn't really understand where it come from because it was it was meant to be a nice thing you know thank you for doing my horses i really appreciate it no but the reply you got yes Oh, how sad. Liz having to take care of her own horses for a change. Hope you get well soon, Nick. Never mind about poor me. No, and I didn't understand it because, you know, for the, for the record, 
Liz does her horses as often as she can. If she's not working, she's out on the yard with me. You know, we muck out together. We do stuff together. I poop it more than you do. Yeah. I muck them out every single weekend. Yeah. I go and get horse feed. Yeah, it was um, really not fair. And it's really awkward because they're saying, hope you aren't feeling too sick, Nick, get well soon. So I want to say thank you. I appreciate that. But then I don't want you to be mean to Liz. So it was all really very difficult. But what do they want me to do? This is This is what I want. I mean, I could... Keep all of my money to myself and just look after my two horses myself. But I choose to spend most of my salary employing you and paying for the horses. I've written a column about how much I spend paying for the horses. It's about, on top of you, it's about £1,200 a month. Yeah, they're not I cheap. could just do them myself. So I said, oh, what do you want me to do, people of Twitter? Do you want me to sack her? Isn't it a good thing... To yeah. employ someone, to employ someone who's more expert than you at that job, yeah, yeah. rather than just doing what, oh, well, I, I can look after my horses, I know what I'm doing, I'll just bung them a feed at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I won't see them all day, I'll go to London, I'll get back, hopefully they're still alive at 10 o'clock at night. I actually don't know how people have dogs and horses with a full-time job. I yeah, go to the horses five or six times a day, I spend six hours on them, hard physical labour i actually object to being criticized for working really hard looking after my animals spending every penny i have on them employing someone full-time so they're never ever left alone i'm the bad person can you explain to me why that is what do they want me to do suck you I mean, we've got another one from one of those troll accounts that's set up, I think, purely to make your life a misery. My life or and anyone else's? I don't know. She's she's not got, or he, he or she has not got really any followers or follows many people, but anything they do post isn't particularly nice. And they said, how often do you go away working for the diary and or the podcast? It's not a diary, it's a column. I can't remember the last time the mail published an article of yours from a remote location, but that's not the point. Just because you're working from home, you're still working. Yeah, I could spend 12 hours at my yeah, computer. Yeah. How am I supposed to muck out four horses and poop at the field no. and soak hay and go and get feed and do all their feet? No. And, and you'd think that I'm now... I'm still working, but also we've just had a lockdown, so no, I might not have been to India or America or Ethiopia, which is all the things I've yeah. done since you've worked for me, Nick. Yeah, I've been to South America on a story, Ethiopia... Or all India, over um, Italy. Yep. I've been to Canada. Yep. I've been to practically every continent. What are my horses and dogs supposed to do when I'm doing that? I've been to France. I've been to Paris. I've been to New York. Yes, there was a lockdown. Did I sack you during lockdown? No, no Did you I didn't. furlough you during no, lockdown? No. I don't have any money. I still didn't furlough my employee and make the government pay for it. I no. have never, ever, ever taken a benefit in my life not child support not maternity care i've never been a burden on society so what are all these people trolling me want me to do do they want me to sack you so that i just look after my horses myself but i think as well people considering we've just had covid and people have been working at home people should understand that when you're working at home you're still working yeah people interrupt me all the time yeah they knock on my door they bang doors yeah they tweet me, they text me. I'm trying to concentrate. I'm writing another book. I'm ghostwriting a book. Yeah. I'm editing a book. I'm writing a screenplay. I'm writing pieces pretty much every day for the Daily Mail. I work 12, 14 hours a day on top of doing the horses. Yeah, of course. And I'm supposed to sack you 
So I replied, yeah, should I bung horses some food at 7am and have them stand on shit all day? I'm supposedly the bad person for spending most of my salary getting full-time expert qualified help to look after them. I've seen how most busy people look after their horses. Yeah, I've seen what their horses are like. So I do the right thing and I get criticised. Do you know what I called her? You called it the word. It was chippy. Right, let's move on. So I wish, I really, I feel a bit like Will Smith. And I want to go up there and smack someone. Yeah, that was a bit, wasn't it? But what I didn't understand was he laughed first. So I think he got told off by his wife and then he had to go into action. I often think, oh, it's really snowing heavily. I often think that people laugh and I do it when you're feeling a bit stressed and you're not sure how yeah. to react. I've, I've done that. I remember when I was at school... I was being really told off by a teacher and, and, I, started and I started laughing and I got in so much trouble. But actually, it was because I was so, up, like, nervous and I was in trouble. And I just stood and laughed. Oh, my God, I was in trouble. So, yeah, that does... But when yeah. Will Smith did that, and I don't condone violence, and I know as a, a white middle-aged woman I shouldn't be talking about what black people do, but... Why not? There's been loads of that in the press this do you know week, that mate. really... Yeah, if you're rubbish. white and it's nothing to do with you... It was a man... Thumping another man. What's this colour got to do with it? It's nothing to do with it. It's just a bloke. I do. I do love. I do love Chris Rock. Actually, I, love, I, th- I think he handled it absolutely fantastic. I think what Will Smith should have done was make a better joke. Yeah. But obviously, he's an actor, and actors can only speak what people put in their mouths. Yeah. People like me put in their mouths, and they speak it. But to quote Nick, but but. I have been in a situation where a man hasn't stuck up for me. So I went to dinner in an Uber with my ex and I paid for the Uber because his phone is too old to have apps on it or something. I don't know. It's still a landline or something. And the Uber driver wanted to drop me at this dinner in Soho round the corner from the restaurant. This is the Miranda Priestly moment this week. I said, you're not dropping me round the corner from the restaurant. I'm wearing heels. You're dropping me at the doorstep. And so my... What's the point of an Uber if they don't take what's the point of a, What's the point of anyone, I'm really? a bit confused. So my ex said to me, if you wanted to be dropped at the door, you should have got a black cab. He stuck up for the Uber driver over me. That doesn't even make any sense. An Uber driver is a taxi driver. What is what is his point? Yeah, but his point is if you want the deluxe service, you should have paid even more. So I was paying for the Uber cabs driver are cabs are cab. and I should have paid even more to get a black cab. Oh, bollocks. And I said, "Why are you on the side of the Uber driver? You should be on my side." So he should have been more Will Smith. But you've been reading a book this week, Nick, which is quite relevant. It is very relevant, actually. Accidentally relevant, because we hadn't sort of planned this. I've been reading a book called This Is How Your Marriage Ends. And it's out today, and it's by someone called Matthew Freer. He was on this morning he the other day. He was on this morning the other day, which is how, <laughs> I, how I heard of the book. And I had heard of him before because he had a blog. So this was a guy that uh, got divorced and... He was sort of feeling quite sorry for himself, how, you know, his wife had let him down and he didn't understand he was such a great husband. And he had a conversation, a drunken conversation one night with a therapist 
that led him to write she suggested that he started writing it down and rather than doing it privately he did it in a blog so he started to sort of get feedback from other people and, and really has become this relationship guru helping husbands see where they're going wrong so this is really a a book but do husbands want to know where they're going wrong i don't think men are going to read this book well i think i think men always think they're right don't they yeah and i think that's one of the things that he talks about and we're used to marriages or relationships breaking up because of the big things you know someone has an affair or spends all their savings on gambling or or whatever it is we're used to big things but one of the things he talks about in this book is about how the small things are insidious how things creep in and you know you you start off this relationship and everything's going really well and then these little things come into the into the, the equation and they just destroy what's what your feelings are and I was thinking about that in sort of terms of my own relationship and and it, and it's really really true because the things that annoy me and and that I feel are bad about my relationship is I keep saying to Martin please don't stand on the doorstep with the door open smoking a cigarette go outside you're letting all the heat out i'm freezing especially where i've not been well i'm freezing can you just go outside every single time he goes for a cigarette he still does it or don't what about giving him giving him a really hard shove in the back i've been so tempted or flicking his cigarette butts out and leaving them in the garden and this guy's absolutely right because it's those things that make me feel completely disrespected like it doesn't matter how many times i explain to him what i'd like him to do and why i'd like him to do it as in please shut the door i'm cold you're letting the heat out it you know it costs a lot of money he still does it and these what what i don't understand is in a relationship everything's a bit of give and take there may be some things you don't like but you sort of change a little bit and you adapt and you don't do things that annoy them and but i think there's a sort of pig-headedness in a lot of men is they refuse to change they and he acknowledges that to change he acknowledges that because you know one of the things he says is you know i'm a good husband i go out to work you know i i, I pay the bills we've got savings uh, you know I'm, I'm a good husband i'm not a bad husband but there was this and what he calls it the toxicity of being right you know where you are right, you know, you're not open to, you're not, you have, don't have any empathy for the person. So one of the things he says, you know, you've, you've got to weigh up, is being right, if indeed you are right, worth upsetting someone for? And, and is this lack of empathy where someone's telling you, this is how I feel, this is what I need, and straight away, a lot of men go to being defensive, you see, I think a lot, of pe- a lot of people, and I'm sure my exes think I'm difficult, I'm not actually that hard to please. If you just pick up the dog bowls while I've been out doing the horses yeah. in the snow, that would please me. Yeah. And I remember there was all this dog poo in the garden. I said to my last boyfriend, why didn't you pick up the dog poo? Well, I was waiting until it wasn't warm. Just pick up the dog poo! Yeah, exactly. And There's always yeah. an excuse. He There's talks about that. Ex- and what i liked about this book is that it's very very honest you know about he he owns up to his bad behavior but i don't think men are gonna read it because men don't <laughs> think they need to change he's got he's, i mean he's, he's he's really popular and and it isn't just for men as a as a woman not only did i recognize behaviors in in relationships from men i also recognized some behaviors f- from myself and and this sort of vicious circle you get into so I keep nagging for something to happen. Please don't I do this. I hate the word or... nag. I don't actually think the word nag should exist. Okay. It's just, 
ask. Yeah, that's true. So he has some recommendations. He has quite a few recommendations. What is what is his advice then to all my exes? How could they have done better? Well, he says... He I says, say all my exes, three and a half exes. How could they have done better? Well, there's lots of advice for me and all sort of very doable give us an advice. Example. So one of the things he talks about is the toxicity of being right. You, It doesn't matter necessarily about being right. Sometimes just be kind or don't think you're right. And also don't assume that you see things in the same way. You, we make a lot of assumptions when we're having arguments or discussions sometimes actually it's it's good to question how are you viewing this and he makes a really good point that you don't know your partner very well if you can't put yourself into their position and say i think this is how you feel about it and your partner goes yes you've 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 said that really well if they say actually that's nothing like what i feel then really you've got a lot of work to do um, the final thing he says which i think women or, or people should take when they're entering relationships the final thing he says and i know you had this when you did uh, article with a dating expert uh, i know this come up for you and he says that he was eroding her trust really right from the beginning so right from the beginning eroding he was, her trust yeah he was letting her, a lot of a lot of it for him in this book is about trust you know if you don't show up in the way you say you're going to if you don't do as is you're asked you're just really just destroying someone's trust in you because you're not doing ever, you're not ever taking, what you're saying is, yes, okay, you don't want me to do that, but I'm just going to carry on doing it. I remember what I was going to say. My ex said to me, oh, you love conflict, you love conflict, you love arguing. I don't, actually. I'm a very positive, hardworking, dynamic person, but conflict arises when I see that you're not trying. Yeah. So you haven't addressed your health so you can go with me on a dog walk, which is a major part of my life. Yeah. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah, you haven't yeah. brought something nice for me. I remember having a huge argument one Christmas because I bought all this food, 300 pounds on Waitrose, and I don't really eat. And all my ex said was, did they not have any white pepper? Yeah. Again, it's no empathy, isn't it? It's not putting yourself it's into that It's not thinking, actually, no. she spent £300 she no. doesn't have on buying... I'm just going to say, this is great. Yeah. Which he would have done with his friends. Yeah. But with me, he said, did they not have any white pepper? No, And then you wonder why I get the red mist. No, unacceptable. It's not that I like conflict. I don't like people just wanting to stick the knife and it feels in. like a knockback doesn't it because you've tried hard it yeah. feels like a knockback yeah. so rather than someone and saying, the reason they oh, knock great, you back is you. because they're not powerful and accomplished enough to have done that for you well what he says is and again this is what this woman said to you wasn't it with the dating expert is he didn't show Hayley. her yeah Hayley, the dating expert he was saying that even right in the beginning he was inconsiderate and thoughtless and really, his wife should never have married him because right from the beginning, he wasn't showing himself to be in a place where he was empathetic, where he was going to be a good partner. No, and I think all you women out there, you should... What we have, I think, as women is intuition. You should listen to your intuition. And I know that when my future husband was going to move in with me and we went to his parents because he still lived with his mum and dad in Ely and he put all these trainers all he had this huge collection of trainers in his car in my car and I thought no way those trainers are coming in my house that should have been the moment when yeah. I thought this is wrong yeah 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 <laughs>
in which I get a rude awakening. Is that another man? You should read this book. I tell you what, let's buy this book and we send it to it all to men. Him? Yeah, send yeah. it to all men. It will t- certainly change how so I the go column, into relationship. So the column begins and it's really snowing heavily outside. Oh, it's like Christmas. Why are men able to interrupt your sleep when... A, you've only met them once for lunch. B, he texted a week or so later while you were waiting at a table in Soho House to say, oh, Liz, we're both too busy and live too far apart for us to even have a one-night stand, which resulted in the waiter removing a set of knives and forks and two glasses with a great deal of clatter. Dinner for one, madam. Don't call me madam. It's miss. It's miss. Last night, I was woken at 05.18am. That's out of order. By the man I met for lunch, who said I lived too far away and was too busy. Rude. Who had pursued me, approached me, before he looked up my address on SatNav. He was FaceTiming me via WhatsApp. Who FaceTimes anyone at five in the morning? Especially me... Who resembles a dead tortoise at that hour? I'm sorry, you don't FaceTime someone before you've had a chance to put your makeup on. No, do or, you? or ever. Or find a good filter. Or ever. You know what I mean? You need at least a good quick filter. Even though I'm propped up on four pillows like a Victorian consumptive to avoid eye bags, and I do have new eyebrows. It's odd because earlier in the week, and I sort of ignored this because I was too busy mucking out your horses, he had sent me a map of New York showing the location of Carrie Bradshaw's apartment. Even though she's fictional, she right. has a real apartment. Okay. So he sent me a message saying, giving the location of Carrie Bradshaw's apartment, even though she's fictional, and the message, I wonder if she's in. My mates don't even know who she is. So this was just out of the blue after standing you up? After, a year later, exactly a year later. It's like he's mad. Obviously drunk. Mad. At first I was puzzled. Then I realised he must be on a mini break with male friends because a woman, any woman, even a fetus apart from Nicola knows who Carrie Bradshaw is. But frankly, who cares? You're nothing to me. Nothing. Nothing. You're blocked. Then this morning I got a text saying, Liz, your beauty is not your hair or your looks. Your beauty is you. Oh, bugger off. That's exactly what Is I wrote what in the next <laughs> sentence. But actually, my next sentence, Nicola. Yeah. She looks like she's giving birth. Oh, bugger off, short ass with a horrible lawn and a boring job and a dirty wheelie bin because I Google Earthed them. That's hilarious. No one else would go back with bugger off with such detail. I need to stop undervaluing myself. I remember just before the pandemic, I went to dinner with a friend... And she asked about Nigel and told me I needed to get on a plane to Sydney. He will never find someone as funny and interesting as you, she said. And she was right. And now it's too late. He has a partner and he's got a dog. Yeah, getting the puppy was a bad, bad thing. We often know what we need to do, but we lack courage. We're riddled with self-doubt. What if he'd rejected me when I landed in Sydney, puffy-eyed and dehydrated? After all, he knows I exist. He could have pursued me. I've just been to lunch with a friend outside and not under canvas because she thinks canvas will give her COVID. 
She's already started stockpiling due to the war in Ukraine, lots oh of tins. Oh and given we live near the biggest military base in Europe, she keeps sending me links to property in the Highlands. Why do you think I moved here? I can't leave my horses, I keep telling her. My only worry is for my animals. The house next door has a cellar, so I'm thinking we will hide there. But I can't carry four collies. Now will we get the horses down there? Yeah, well, you have to deal with the horses. <laughs> I'll build us a bunker. Mini Puppy was so excited when I took her to lunch to see my girlfriend, she started bouncing and jumping up. Because I was wearing leggings, it meant she pulled them down to my knees, revealing my very saggy M&S pants. Oh, God. <laughs> my friend laughed. If I'd been having lunch with a man, he'd have been cross or he'd have made an inappropriate, lewd remark. I'm going for the second one. I haven't replied to this man who gave me such a rude awakening, who is probably bored and regretful despite being on holiday in New York. They're always regretful, aren't they? Chippy, when you take them to the French embassy in Kensington or to Marrakesh with Blur or to meet Dave Gilmore, thinking you're too much hard work. They then go and date a normal woman and end up spending every weekend in Sainsbury's. Enjoy. Anyway, on this FaceTime at 5.18 in the morning, the only view this man got was of Grace's bottom next to me on her nappy. Let's, let's hope he didn't think it was your backside. Furry and incontinent. It could have been me. Well, hopefully that'll put him off and he'll bugger off. Well, then he sent me another text saying, is a date out of the question? <gasps> And do you know what I replied? You must have liked your furry bum on the nappy. Do you know what I replied? You're blocked. Which one are you? Oh, that's a, that's a good comeback. Mic drop. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Should we do a very brief archive? Go on, do a brief archive. I was very, very sad this week to read that Bruce Willis has got a sort of a brain injury, which means he can't say dialogue or articulate. I love Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. I grew up with Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. I would say of all the male celebrities I've interviewed, Bar Prince... But we're going back now in my archive to 2005. When I went to interview Bruce Willis at Dorchester, there was a lot of preparation. I demi-moored my hair. It was a bit like Megan. That was pre-Megan, wasn't it? It was pre-Megan. You were demi-moor then. I was demi-moor. And I was late. So I had to park my car quite a long way from the Dorchester. And I did what I normally do. I had my Louboutin heels in my bag and I was wearing flip-flops. And because it was Bruce Willis, I'd moisturised my feet. Because obviously you need to moisturise your feet before you meet Bruce Willis. Yeah, of course, because when you're interviewing him, that's obviously going to be the thing he's I focused sort on. I cross my legs, you know, a bit like, what was that DJ called? I was thinking more like the, um, what was that film in Glenn Close in that film when she crossed her legs? No, I was wearing knickers. For That's all right then. I thought you were going fully prepared. So I was so excited about meeting Bruce Willis in 2005. I'd iron my hair. So I had to run to the Dorchester and my feet got black because it's London, it's dirty. We love and London. And it all stuck to the moisturiser. 
stuck to the moisturiser. Oh, so I get God. there, there's a huge bodyguard outside his door. It's like that scene in Notting Hill when Hugh Grant goes to interview Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, and he says he's from Horse and Hound. So I arrive at the door and. I've got my Mylar underwear on and I've moisturised my feet and they're all covered You're in grime. Ready. There's a huge bodyguard. So he lets me in and Bruce is chatting to his agent. Bruce isn't as tall as you might think. No, I never thought he was tall. I always thought he looked like... Because he looks like your typical sort of army marine type bloke. Yeah, he's quite stocky. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind stocky, really. And... I said, I'll just be a moment. And I went into Bruce's bathroom and I went in his bath and I ran the water and I washed my feet and used Bruce's towel and the towel was black and I was trying to hide it. It was like that Along Came Polly film with Ben Stiller where Jennifer Aniston is waiting outside and he's blocked the toilet and he doesn't know whether to come out or not. It was like that. It was like Ross from Friends putting on the leather trousers not being able to get them back up again with the towel. I love that one. So I've got the dirty towel in Bruce's thing and there's lots of water because it's a Dorchester. It's quite a high pressure. And I come out and Bruce Willis, Hollywood hard man, is looking very frightened that the woman from the Evening Standards come to interview him and she just had a bath. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was pleased that you emerged with your clothes on. And I kept saying to him, what went wrong with Demi? You're not getting back with her, are you? And he, got, <laughs> and he, and he started to back away from me. He started to back away but from me. But you could her. have me instead. And I write here in my piece from 2005, he shakes my hand. I have touched Bruce Willis. I could die happy You tomorrow. might have touched more of him than he thought, because how do you know he hadn't just used that towel? No, it was pristine. Are you sure? No, no, no. He could have had a bath and wiped himself down with it. His skin is very soft. His scalp is sprinkled with a light grey stubble. His body is compact and meaty beneath skin-tight jeans and T-shirt. His arms are like Popeyes. The whole effect is spot rather by the fact that I think he is wearing foundation. His eyes are what do it for me, though. They are twinkly. And, aside from the fact they keep trying not to look at my wet trousers... Kind and soft. He's lovely. So you didn't just have a really good look? I think that's probably the most adoring interview Bruce Willis has ever had published. I'm going to print it out and send it to him. He's gone all sort of girly and and giggly. It's it's a bit disconcerting, really. (laughs) And then it's quite funny here. I tell him I absolutely love his new film and I absolutely love him. (laughs) Oh, oh. I do like Bruce Willis, so I liked him in that that one with um, the blonde woman, Sybil Shepherd. What was that? Moonstruck or moon, Moonlighting? Moonlighting. I loved Moonlighting. Yeah. He had hair then, didn't he? And then he says to me, "I still love Demi Moore with all my heart. Of course I do." I think I went a bit purple at that point. Was that when you stalked off? Did you leave? The divorce was one of the most difficult things he's ever been through. When I was in the early stages of being separated, I kept blaming myself, he said. He must have read your book. Must have read it, yeah. I couldn't believe it had happened to us. And here's a topical thing. And I started talking to Will Smith, who's a very close friend, and he saved my life. He didn't punch him. He told me that whatever you do, you have to put the kids first. And even if it's awkward, you have to get together with a new girlfriend or spouse, whoever it is. It was just great advice. He said he was incredibly lucky in his career. He could have been a welder like his father. I come from a long line of mechanics, he said. 
He looks quite mechanic-y, doesn't he? He looks like he'd be sort of like... He looks quite, quite capable. Look, yeah, yeah, he, he does. Looks he looks like he could start a lawnmower. Yeah, I like capable. Capable works for me. But I just can't help thinking to this moment what he thought when he heard all the water running. And then when he went into his bathroom later and he saw all these dirty towels covered in black stuff. I can't begin to imagine. I can't imagine anyone has ever gone into Bruce Willis's bathroom that he didn't know and used his bath. But even the bodyguard looked scared when I came out. (laughs) Don't blame him really. (laughs) Oh God. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how have the readers been this week, Nat? Yeah, they're really good this week. We have... Who? We we have, we have... Oh, now we've got Melissa, and Melissa wants a bit of advice. She's not a troll, is she? No, 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 Melissa's lovely. Um, She says, hello, Nick, hope you're recovering okay from COVID. I did it a few months ago and felt pretty grim, and well done for all you're doing for the dogs in Ukraine. Little update on that. The foods will be going over shortly. The 40 tonne of food has been delivered. So we're, 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 it's nearly on its way. Wasn't it annoying, though, Nick, that we got how many tonnes of food delivered? 40. 40 tonnes of 40 food tons. delivered. To unload it, they had to hire a forklift truck driver. Yeah. And the forklift truck driver, even though the food was donated, we were donated, the yeah. dog bus are taking it to people who have lost yeah. their homes in a war sent an invoice absolutely sounds a little bit like my plumber no i thought that was shocking actually because we're everyone is doing their bit for the but liz has very kindly paid that for dog bus so don't send an invoice no i thought it was really mean actually because everybody is pulling together and doing something and then they couldn't even donate their little forklift for two days block them block them block block them again but Melissa says she wants she wants some advice. She says, after a whirlwind relationship, to my surprise, came about due to a countryside dating app. I'm now engaged to get married in June to a really lovely and dashing farmer. He oh. wants to throw a massive wedding. So congratulations. He wants to throw a massive wedding with all the bells and whistles, village church, marquee in the garden and about 150 guests. My idea was abroad with about 10 people, but that's a write-off. I suffer from severe anxiety and hate it with the spotlight and attention on me, even when I'm looking my best. What advice would Liz have to get me through my wedding day without passing out with fear? Magnum of champagne noted. Yes, I had a magnum of champagne with the very willing Kerry to get me down the aisle. The wedding, the hire of Babington House alone cost £20,000. The flowers cost more. Then they charged me more to come and take away the flowers. And I paid for the honeymoon. I paid for the wedding outfits. I paid for everyone's wedding breakfast, which I hadn't factored in the next day. They'd all want breakfast, just go away. Out of all the people who came to my wedding, I think I'm only in touch with Sue Needleman, not even my husband. Don't do it. Don't do it. Block him. Don't even marry him. But if you are going to marry him, do it in a pub with some sausages and ten people. Elope. You'll have a lovely time. Ignore Liz, you'll have a lovely time. Let's move on to Susie, shall we? 
Um, Hi, Liz. I really liked your piece in which it's all about my mother. It reminded me of my mother who passed away two and a half years ago. A Mother's Day is a strange day for me as I don't have a mum and I'm not a mother either. So she's saying there's a lot that's very similar with your mum. Her mum was very frugal but could be very free money when she had some. But she also had bad arthritis and ended up in bed. And she had a serious serious addiction to Bailey's Irish cream. <gasps> There's worse things to be addicted to, isn't there? My mum liked a thimble of Harvey's Bristol cream sherry. Thimble? She would um, she would sip it for hours. Well, my nana used to like that Bristol, and she would say she didn't drink. She she wouldn't drink, and she would knock back these little mini glasses. But she'd get quite a few of them down her, and she always said she didn't like garlic, but loved me mum's curry and spaghetti bolognese. She also said that her mum was well used to do the three rings, and it really irritated us. Yeah, I had to ring my mum wherever I went, just do three rings, but don't answer. Yeah, and so she said. She said to she, her mum said to her that her life was over, and she was only fifty. But she's fifty one and feels that she's got a life ahead of her, and she probably didn't have children because she didn't want to be a martyr as well. So there's a lot of similarities with Susie. So you maybe and, Susie's going to be my new friend. Susie and you are as one. Yours once, your new BFF. Because there was a report this week in the Times by this Korean doctor. He said, if you haven't had COVID yet, it means you don't have any friends. So that's me. Oh, so I've got one friend. <laughs> so you, you've obviously got friends if you've got COVID, but the only people in the world who haven't got COVID are those who haven't got friends. I have to say, it's not the gift I was after. It's not the gift that I wanted. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.